Whistleblower Report, exposing lies, deceptions, and all that has assaulted our way of life. We must take back our freedom and live as God designed in a free America that honors our Constitution and our Creator. Our experts in medicine, ministry, law, military, environment, and education empower us to grow together as a nation. For such a time as this, the Whistleblower Report offers truth and solutions. Welcome to the Whistleblower Report. This is Dr. Lee for America, and I'm here with a another, uh, shall we call it, Kissinger Report, with an extension of what we talked about last week with UK investigative journalist Johnny Vedmore about the hidden hand of Heinz Kissinger, who became in the U.S. Henry Kissinger, and ultimately Secretary of State under President Richard Nixon, and all of his hidden role in what we're seeing unfolding today as the Global Reset, New World Order, and Agenda 2030, led by Klaus Schwab, Bill Gates, and the global elites, whose goal is to bring down the United States of America as a constitutional, independent, constitutional republic and a sovereign nation, bringing us under under the new world order and global control through World Health Organization, World Economic Forum, and all that has been going on. Johnny Vedmore has been researching this for many years and has a wealth of information and connect the dots approach. So Johnny, welcome back to the show. And I just want you to begin to continue this journey that we are undertaking to connect the dots about the hidden hands behind today's events that have been orchestrating this for so long. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, I love to be on. Thank you for having me, Dr. Lee. I'm really, 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 really happy to be here and talking about something that kind of, you know, I'm still on a journey. I started off um learning about all of this only a few years ago but i was looking through i was looking for uh, uh, stories articles things and truths that had never been put out there is such a um a, a vast uh wealth of you could say proverbial oil under the the ground in journalism you know so it's been become so narrow the art of journalism has become so narrow and so orthodox and so manipulated that no one knows the truth anymore so when you taste the truth it's just amazing and when you look for the truth and you learn to find the truth you discover it's all around you and it's not being reported so people really enjoy getting facts sometimes these facts are uncomfortable hey we may go over uncomfortable facts as well because you know i for, for me as a welshman 
uh, living in Britain at the moment. I've spent some time in South America. I've had an American partner in the past and so on and so forth. You know, I, 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 I understand American culture very well, but looking into it, um, I feel like a third person a lot of the time. I feel like, you know, I feel British. I feel outside the Commonwealth to an, uh, to outside, um, the, like the idea of Britishness as well, because I'm Welsh and you know, we've got our own identity. Um, so it's it's like watching something from a distance and watching a play run out. And it's a really grand, um, interesting play. It's made, it's got loads of ups and loads of down, uh, downs. And really this theme, this uh, the, the, the theme was set by Henry Kissinger, Hines. Um, when he left... Harvard in 1950-1951 as we discussed before he went on this trajectory where every great man had already lifted him up you know he had had Fritz Kramer in that he was in the trenches with Fritz Kramer lifting him up in his mad German way and he had uh he had um uh William Yandel Elliott in Harvard lifting him up he had McGeorge Bundy um lifting him up he had uh all of these great man minds like Herman Kahn and John Kenneth Galbraith putting stock in him as a person and has the person who might be able to find the answers and he became like that an answers man you know one of the biggest questions of course through the 1950s um was what we're going to do about the Soviets and the nukes and and he started to answer that around 1957 1958 with nuclear war and foreign policy he was intending to put himself as one of the most important players within history and it's amazing that a man can see himself as that you know that he can see himself or a, a woman can see themselves as part of being able to write themselves in as one of the most important people in history and it must be noted that guido goldman who was henry really can be described as henry kissinger's best friend i mean it's almost comedic their relationship it seems like they live in an apartment together in new york at one point it's like a little comedy couple they're both they're both like playing the field slightly and uh doing loads of uh, uh, amazingly interesting uh spy games you could say behind uh the scenes um but there's you know kissinger has this with guido goldman kissinger had a friend that he couldn't find anywhere else because Guido Goldman describes about Kissinger that there was no one else he could speak to. When Kissinger was in power, every he was outside everybody, even within the White House and his, his own staff, he felt outside. He felt like, and I think Guido Goldman describes it as the German Jew who, who shouldn't know all of the facts. And so Kissinger kind of put himself above everybody else and acted like that with his actions. Um, and we really got up to the point where he had uh, set up this idea, Kissinger's International Seminar, which he himself said should have been Yandel Elliott's International Seminar, and uh, that he was training these young uh, young global leaders and he was doing it with um, Rockefeller and CIA money, um, uh, Farfield Foundation, the Asian Foundation, the American Friends of the Middle East were all funding um, this, this seminar and it was to build young global leaders in the pattern of the young global leaders of the World Economic Forum. Um, but when that got exposed, Kissinger didn't really completely flee into government into the Nixon 
administration and then you know get very busy on the world stage he was always doing things behind the scenes and always planning and especially harvard he had already had his tentacles in so many different um places within harvard and this become a center of activity during this time there's really interesting activity um from really big thinkers but one of the really important uh pieces of the puzzle was guido goldman uh, like i say son of nahum goldman who was one of the founding fathers of israel their family um were not only statesmen level they were create your own country statesman level um that, that's pretty serious and it, it, in many respects what we'll talk about guido goldman um created an organization that was intended to do roughly the same all around eastern europe i mean the fight did not stop the fight never stopped um nahum goldman had been born in germany just like kissinger had been born in uh germany um so so he he had actually been intelligence during uh and after the first world war nahum goldman um and by by, by the time he got to the 20s and the 30s he was one of the leading Zionist voices. Um, when, once Israel was founded, well, his family was was held in high regards, and they had um, a house in New York where uh, all of the leaders, including Shays Wiseman, one of the first leaders of Israel, um, and many others, Eleanor Roosevelt, were regular visitors. Um, that was the the same family that uh, Henry Kissinger's mother had once worked as, um, a, like a kosher servant to check everything was kosher and was uh, correct for the, the Jewish household. Um, the, the, the Goldmans were really important, but Guido Goldman was especially important in 1971, 72, 73, because Kissinger knew that they could not let his international seminar fail. This ability to create young global leaders needed to continue, and the base was at Harvard. Now, when Kissinger had started this in 1950-1951 with their first trial runs, it had gone really well and it had built up to a point where it was kind of like the international seminar that is, was, was a summer school, it was really, you know, um, it had a format, it had a structure, um, it benefited lots of people who went there, they got into power afterwards, so it, they wanted to keep that momentum going, but it had been exposed to CIA, so they needed to set up something else, the CIA funded, so they needed to set up something else, and that's where Guido Goldman came in in the early um, 70s to really, um, he created the German Marshall Fund, and uh, out of Harvard, and that would basically take Abby Collins, who had been running Kissinger's International Seminar for the entirety of the end of the seminar years. He took Abby Collins and installed her into the German Marshall Fund. And they basically reformatted the idea of educational programs. Um, and the German Marshall Fund still exists today. And it, this means it's very complicated. I mean, I've done an article on the German Marshall Fund looking at it as, as the fourth part of my Schwab piece and it's a very complicated organization um, that really is focused on I mean you could see it as obvious they 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 saw the problem as needing to see uh, Eastern European Soviet bloc countries fall apart that's what they needed to target 
well of course that's what they're going to target it's the cold war and it was a new stage of the cold war by the time it got to the 1970s it was no longer the oh i fear your big bomb's going to go off and i fear your big bomb's going to go off mutually assured destruction and perpetual warfare kind of become ingrained the russians had finally decided to play with the smaller bombs and kissinger was starting to help in a sense, proliferate nuclear weapons technology all around the world in places like India and Pakistan. They would benefit during this period by getting some technology here and some technology there and some turning a blind eye here and turning a blind eye there. While Kissinger at the same time was saying Pakistan shouldn't have nuclear weapons, but at the same time was trying to help Pakistan gain nuclear technology, but different types than the ones they, they were pursuing. Um, under uh, uh, Zufika Ali Bhutto, now, I, again, th this is really interesting because Zufika Ali Bhutto, who's the father of Benazir Bhutto, and I think the fourth prime minister or, of um, of Pakistan, he he was uh, to become to get into power. His daughter would go to Harvard, and she, he he Zufika Ali Bhutto would ask if Benazir Bhutto could be mentored by John Kenneth Galbraith who I talked about in the, the previous article, one of the, the um, mentors to Klaus Schwab, who was sent back by Henry Kissinger to set up the World Economic Forum and was one of the um, co-keynote speakers, along with Otto, Otto van Habsburg, in the first ever World Economic Forum. So the, the, uh, this is like a really big player, uh, John Kenneth Galbraith, but J John Kenneth Galbraith was too busy. He said, um, my son will look after her, and her, his son did become the first point a contact so there was this like kissinger was playing a couple of games and one of the games was was now um putting uh weapons technology into countries that would make uh would do america's bidding by uh jiggery pokery and intelligence means and uh, keep in line but would threaten russia enough to know that oh if the worst came to the worst and this country could be armed or this country could be armed and they're only just one step away and so we kind of changed the war and that meant that they had to play a different type of game um a much different type of game and that's really where the german marshall fund came in and changed this uh reset at the time um i mean guido goldman was setting up the german marshall fund uh in 1970 71 72 and 73 and the german marshall fund was funded by the german government and so it was um uh, Willy Brandt, who was in charge of Germany at the time, the Chancellor of Germany, uh, basically gave something like 90 million euros uh, that would be split up over a certain amount of time for research and study groups in Eastern Europe to be set up via Harvard. Um, and really, it's just a conduit for the German government to, to uh, use CIA and CFR aligned intelligence groups to uh, spy on Eastern Europe. So it's just Cold War games, really, in normal everyday Cold War games. And the people who um helped guido goldman's out of the german marshall fund were in completely incredible it was like um uh david rockefeller uh john j mccloy you know the top people um in the intelligence world were there and it was this was like really kissinger's new project i think but he was kept slightly outside the loop um it would lead to uh quite interesting results though stuff that i haven't quite finished documented but i'd be happy to talk about 
Well, I, th I think that's fascinating background. Can you connect the dots for how some of those pieces put into place then are being played out today in the, the tentacles that are strangling freedom for people across Europe and in the United States? Yeah, yeah. Well, it, there's a there's a machine being created uh, that will um, have a potential to turn on itself. Now, this is this is difficult, and this may be difficult for some Americans to hear. I think um, because some people kind of agree with what's going on in um, the uh, like, especially during the eighties um, and the peak of the Cold War. What was going on in Eastern Europe was obviously a fight back against the real stale Soviet communism that wasn't going to work, and they were trying to keep it in order, and it was falling apart. Part. Now, the German Marshall Fund um, was, uh, and and many other groups like uh, Soros and others, uh, set up uh, organizations, societies, foundations, and they started to fund um, NGOs. They started to create NDGOs, so non-developmental government or non-governmental development organizations, NGDOs, um, and they would fund NGOs. And that was the idea was like basically death by a thousand cuts, um, put in as many um, NGOs as possible, doing a range of things on the ground in the most with uh, with, you know, concentrating on the most uh, likely country to sway away from communism that kind of led to um i think it's a violent revolution it's called um the uh the slovakia Czech czechoslovakian revolution of course two years after um or three years after the revolution it would become czech republic and slovakia when they would have a referendum which was a court again kind of decided by uh influence from the ngos but that was the first time where they realized this is a powerful means to uh, gain control and to cause the downfall of communism. I think it really helped, um, like like move it on really quickly because you had basically um, when the NGOs in uh, uh, Slovakia and Czech Republic were no longer needed there, uh, and development was on its way. What happened was these NGOs were taken out of those countries and placed into countries nearby that were the next most likely to fall. And this went on and on. And by the time it got to 2004, there's a German Marshall Fund document that claims that Ukraine had um, 30,000 NGOs in there. This had started off with 100 to 150 NGOs could cause revolution. And by 2004, it was 30,000 NGOs. And this is... That's NGOs staggering, did... Johnny. Stop, stop a second. 30,000... This is German Marshall Fund's N own figures. NGOs in Ukraine in 2004. Now, we, we know that the color revolution in 2014 had a lot of behind-the-scenes orchestration from the Obama administration, the US CIA and others. But my understanding is that the US connection, you mentioned 2004. My understanding is that the connection with, the, with Obama as Senator Obama 
dabbling in Ukraine and developing context there goes back to 2005 at least. What, I wouldn't be, what pieces of the puzzle do you know about that? Well, I wouldn't be surprised. I think it's Apoka uh, who are the, the ones who basically, after 2004, loads of money floods in from loads of NGOs all around the place. And they start um, using kind of military psychological Grade, military grade psychological warfare techniques to disrupt and cause trouble by this point and they're becoming extremely um well extreme really they're becoming they're becoming very uh proactive all of the time and remember in a lot of these countries the other side is stale politics so it's it, it was very much overkill uh with a lot of this but after 2004 lots of the 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 momentum had seen um this really big sort of uh push for democracy and a feeling that they had won and then all of these different people who were involved went on to be given different tasks and be organized in different ways and i think this is what you're talking about in 2005 2006 onwards you see um the the people who had been trained in the fires of 2004 being given new um uh targets to look forward to and these guys were now uh veterans of what is uh, essentially Soros's uh, NGO warfare. Well, George Soros has had his hand in destabilizing and disrupting many economies globally for many years. So he is another force behind all that's been going on in Ukraine for a number of years. And we know the Biden connection with Ukraine goes back to at least that same time frame. Yeah, I'm not, I, I you see, I, I've kept away from, because everybody, the one thing that kind of makes my journalism different is that I watch where everybody goes and I go somewhere else. And I try and get there a different way. So at the moment, my, the, what I'm doing, I, I, I think probably in about a month, I'll release an article which really explains um, how Ukraine specifically was taken. Um, and it will lead to other questions that will possibly open up then will make sense to the people who have already done the research on the other stuff. Um, and it, when there's a lot of noise about a subject like Hunter Biden, that subject on the independent media scene causes a lot of noise. People start screaming and no doubt they should start screaming. He's obviously really suspicious, but it means that you don't hear what, what really matters until everything calms down. Well, my understanding is uh, from something you mentioned last week that you have another big report coming out in the next Right, right about now. Mm -hmm. uh, do you care to talk about that? Yeah, yeah. How long have you got? I mean, yeah, I'd love to talk about it. Um, well, uh, we may want need to go into it um, in more detail after the break. But in the next few minutes before our break, tell us uh, what's on your plate and give us a bit of a heads up. Okay, you're going to be... Um one of the, the the first people and the first places to hear this um there is a case of jeffrey epstein 
Um, it's called, I'm currently um, about to release a free part uh, called uh, The Road to the Takedown of Jeffrey Epstein. Um, and it's going to include a trilogy of articles um, which will fundamentally connect um, Watergate, uh, the cover-up to the assassination of Martin Luther King, the standoff at Wounded Knee, um, the cover-up at Kent State Massacre, um, the Iran-Contra affair, the October Surprise, the Orlando Letelier killing, um, the American domestic surveillance given to the CIA, um, corporate con corruption on all levels, um, and uh, the Epstein case. One person directly throughout the entire thing. Um, it's basically... Uh, I, I, I am saying is going to change American history. This isn't just going to change or give people a little bit of information. By the end of this, people will understand why I'm telling the story because people don't have an understanding of what's really gone on in the Epstein case until we've got through it. Once you come out the other side and once people have read all three parts, they will say, holy hell, I understand what happened now. And it's going to be the first time I think that a lot of people really see what happened post, especially post 2005. But the, these articles, the first article that comes out tomorrow, that one goes, we start probably in about 1950, let's say 1959. Officially, it starts in 1940 when this guy's born. Very interesting. So you have put together the trilogy of articles that connect Watergate, the cover-up of the assassination of Martin Luther King, Kent State cover-up, and some of the others you mentioned. Run back through those again. It run, uh, um, the standoff with Wounded Knee, uh, the, the, uh, uh, something involved with the assassination of um, Orlando Letelier that led to a domestic surveillance on U.S. citizens. The October surprise, central to the October surprise, central, central to Iran-Contra, um, extremely important in every single regards, in every single, helped cover up the uh, assassination of Martin Luther King, helped to cover up Watergate. This person responsible all the way down, all the way to Epstein, still completely involved. This is going to blow people's minds and it's going to change American history. So, Johnny, as you release this trilogy of articles, let's bring you back to the whistleblower report to discuss each one of them and mm -hmm. get this out to the American people, because I think it's so critical. You know, a lot of what you're describing are things that I've, I've watched over my adult life because I, I was just as a young adult, newly married woman, watching some of these very events that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. So I, I know firsthand what was reported in the U.S. news on each one of the things you mentioned, beginning with Watergate. And mm -hmm. I certainly remember 
19, the, the horrific year of 1968 with the Democrat riots in Chicago that was fomented by the Weather Underground, many of whom are still alive now in in power behind the scenes in Washington, D.C. Many of whom are only uh, alive and still doing this and all, all hanging around because this one person helped them get away with everything. This one person helped get all of those people off, every single one of them. Well, I certainly am going to be eager to learn about that because I tried to study these events at the time, but we were given limited information. And what was was striking was, of course, um, the assassination of President John F. Kennedy in 1963. And I still remember, I was, I was a kid, but I still remember where I was when that happened. Mm-hmm. And then in 68, within two months of each other, Senator Robert F. Kennedy and Martin Luther King were both assassinated Mm -hmm. and there was a scapegoat for each one, but it never really made sense. Mm -hmm. So I'm very much looking forward to talking with you further about all this. And I remember the Iran-Contra scandals and, and I remember how they tried to make Oliver North a scapegoat for that. And the Kent State disaster. I I remember that. And it's just, it's truly stunning to think that all of these events may be connected. And it sounds like are still connected to the takedown of America as a whole that we're seeing right now. Mm -hmm. And I was right, right this very minute, right this very minute. Right this very minute. Exactly right. Well, listen, let's take a break right now, and we'll be right back to talk more about all of these tentacles that have been operative since the 1950s that most Americans have no clue even exist, and yet the tentacles from the past are still alive today and strangling our freedom. We'll be right back after the break. This is Dr. Lee for America with a whistleblower report. Check out our website, www.truthforhealth.org and all of our whistleblower reports at www.whistleblowerreports.org. And don't forget every day here on America Out Loud Talk Radio, 12 noon and 12 midnight Eastern, Monday through Friday, you have another whistleblower report. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the second half of the Whistleblower Report. This is Dr. Lee for America, and I'm continuing the discussion about the Kissinger tentacles in today's takedown of America and global reset. This is a continuation of part one we began talking about in last week's Whistleblower Report. So, Hang on to your hat. There's more coming. And as Johnny releases his upcoming trilogy, we'll bring him back to talk about all of that as he reveals the name of one of the key players that is still active behind the scenes and allowing all of these cover-ups to have occurred and continue today. 
So go ahead, Johnny. We were talking about the takedown of America now and connections with these past events. So carry on with what you were discussing. Well, this is really exciting. It's exciting times for me, for sure, because I've been waiting to release these articles for a while and a lot of things have gotten away and some things have been uh tragic things sad things uh so, some just life a lot of it is just you know it is an element of 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 information not wanting to be out you feel because people may be not ready for this i mean they're not but um this is going to start off i'm going to tell a story about um a, a man from dayton ohio and he uh is the son of an insurance man he's a, a very very he's a very very talented young child young kid um grows up to end up going to harvard he had been the star quarterback the all-star champion the the member of the committee on committees every society his father had been bohemian grove member he had been um a 38 he's a 32nd or 33 degree mason because he was scottish right um his father died when he was 58 he had uh complicated complications during the surgery um same year that this guy and his father during the peak of the cold war sailed a yacht from america over to russia and then came back and this young man who was about to go to harvard that very year um gave talks about what it was like behind the iron curtain um and this young man is an extremely interesting character called and i'm going to say his name out loud john stanley pottinger and john stanley pottinger is one of the key lawyers in the Jeffrey Epstein case representing the victims of Jeffrey Epstein. What I'm going to show you is his connections to Jeffrey Epstein <laughs> over a 40-year period plus. And I'm going to show you his connection with some of the most important moments in history. He was from Harvard. Uh, went through Harvard during a time where there was a lot where Kissinger was there and there was a lot of uh, programs to get these talented young people into government and intelligence really quickly and early on and oh they did oh they did um, eventually well, studied Johnny let yeah. me clarify something you were saying that John Henry Pottinger Stanley, is John a Stanley. John Stanley I'm sorry um representing the victims but he mm -hmm. had a 40-year connection himself with epstein yes yes how can I'm he represent the victims I, i'm i'm telling you that the articles that i'm gonna uh present to people are going to shock people to the core and they're going to prove something that i won't be able to talk about straight away um because that'll be for the third this will be in three sections the first one which gets released tomorrow will cover from 1940 john stanley pottinger's birth uh all the way up to uh, 1977 and the assassination of orlando letelier and pottinger getting rights for george bush's cia to surveil domestically u.s citizens as as a cover saying oh operation condor means this i'm gonna show how pottinger was responsible for basically um he stayed on x 
extra when he was writing a report that would clear everybody of Watergate. Hell, even when he was uh, um, interviewing uh, uh, w- w- one of the members of Watergate, he managed to cover up stuff in in session during the time. I mean, some of the things that you will read will blow your mind tomorrow. He basically, uh, in 1969, just, you know, you were talking about 1968, 1969. These are really important years. In 1969, he goes into the Department of Health, Education and Welfare. In 1970, um, he gets his place where he takes over from Leon Panetta, who's not, who's moving too fast on desegregation and takes over basically the department is responsible for desegregating under the Nixon administration. Um, But there's a lot more to it, a hell of a lot more to it. Uh, By 1973, he's in the Justice Department, and that's where the games really begin. This is where the fun really gets going. And he is then responsible for finding no conspiracy, no conspiracy um, uh, at all, on any of the uh, Kent State Massacre, the Martin Luther King and what the FBI did. We know already, we know already uh, that the things that John Stanley Pottinger found there was no conspiracy for, there were conspiracy for. Um, It's quite extraordinary. Um, It's quite extraordinary uh, story. It's gonna. It's, it expands and evolves because after he left government, he was he served under the both Nixon and Ford administrations, and he stayed on extra to finish the report on Watergate. Um, and then he goes in and works as a compliance officer, basically within law firms. Um, and then comes the Iran-Contra and October surprise, and we'll talk about that on another time. And then eventually this leads up to what uh, him having to go into hiding, um, become a best-selling author, uh, go off the scene, and then revive his career as one of the legal defense for the victims of Jeffrey Epstein. But there's so much more to it. There's so much more people don't know about that decision. Why John Stanley Pottinger, a fixer, a fixer, the main fixer throughout history. I, I swear to God that people are going to see this. I'm going to read this and they're going to say, how is this man involved with protecting uh, young women? There is something wrong. There is something wrong. And there is something wrong. By the time we get to the third, I will be able to show you what was wrong. And it is incredible. I no one has got there yet. No one has got there before. Uh, some people think they know where I'm going or they know where I'm heading, but I don't think anybody even involved knows the full story and knows where it's heading. At the moment, it's free articles, but I know there's uh, and this is called the road to the takedown of Jeffrey Epstein. This isn't quite the takedown yet, but I already know that story too and it's an amazing story i can't wait to share with people i've been desperate to share this with people so by the time this show goes out i think it'll already be out it's going to be so exciting to see people's responses so exciting to talk about this because an article like this i put my heart and soul into for the past six to eight months i i mean i have researched inside and out and learned nearly every detail i possibly can and this is the point when i get to release and show people this amazing story that no one has worked out yet and will answer eventually 
when you walk down the road will answer so many questions. Well, I, I truly find it um, stunning to think about the fact that there are these longstanding connections. And you mentioned even going back to connections with George Herbert Walker Bush and the CIA. Mm-hmm, and of mm-hmm. course, yeah, yeah. There's, in, there's a lot more evidence that's come out in recent years about the links between the CIA and the assassination of both President Kennedy and certainly um, Senator Robert Kennedy, and even Robert F. Kennedy Jr. has been talking about that very openly is in his presidential campaign now in 2023. Mm-hmm. I had not I'm, heard him speak publicly about that until this year. I think the CIA are in trouble for the first proper time in their existence. They've managed to have it, have it water off a duck's back on nearly every single time. They don't have to uh, be accountable. They can keep walking forward. They can ignore it all. They can create terms like conspiracy theory to make innocent people turn crazy. And, and they turn people crazy. They turn people crazy. And some people will say, oh, they do it with attack in the mind. Some people say they do it with constant brainwashing. But the truth is they do it over someone's lifetime by treating them uh like like they not letting people be heard not letting voices be heard and and try sometimes just killing people i mean that's that's it's really hard to look through history and see anything the cia done and say oh that was a good thing that was a nice thing um and this story i'm going to tell that leads up to j um uh, the assassination of jeffrey epstein that's what it is um is basically a CIA story all the way through, through and through. There is the, the the CIA have their fingers in all of the worst pies, and there's there's coming to a time where there will be a reckoning, and I I fear that at that time elements of the CIA would probably go underground. And that would be the most dangerous, that would be a really dangerous thing for all of humanity. Because what people don't realize is that the 60s and the 70s, um, well, really the 50s, 60s and 70s, the intelligence agents merged with the mob and the mob basically disappeared and become intelligence agents. Well, I think there's a risk that the intelligence agents become the mob again and and uh, go underground to a certain extent there'll be splits rifts because there's a lot of power hanging around there's operations that kind of like they have their a, a will of their own and this has been throughout history and there needs to be reining in and someone's going to do it at some point but what reasons are they going to use to do it and what's going to happen in return the cia if they put their foot down if they put their mind to it they can install presidents they can kill a president they can have people arguing amongst themselves for 50 plus years about what also more than that how well those 60 70 years of arguing over who shot who where how etc and not actually holding account people to account um and not holding organizations to account that's got to end somewhere that has got to end somewhere Well, let's hope that it will end with all that's unfolding now, exposing such enormous evil. I mean, the 
U.S. government's involvement with the bioweapons labs in Ukraine and a number of other countries through Hunter Biden's operations and shell companies and all of the things that are being exposed today are just truly chilling that to think that the U.S. government agencies the regulators have become the perpetrators of some of the biggest crimes against humanity in modern history. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot more Hunter Biden, um, or there's a lot more Jeffrey Epstein in Hunter Biden than there is in in most most people who are out there. You know, these people are fixers. I think that's what Hunter Biden is as well. I don't think people even have a clue of how much he's that. He's like, but he's a burnout. Jeffrey Epstein didn't do all of the drugs, and I don't think he drunk that much or anything like that. He was really tried to keep fit here and there and stuff. Uh, Hunter Biden is a burnout junkie who needs to be in jail, probably um, a psych ward. Uh, for a long time he's probably uh really really i i i can't even imagine i i i can't even imagine the truth ever being told and this is a really sad fact is that there's a president currently in office and no one everybody knows the truth and they're all pretending just like they used to do in soviet russia you know it's all hyper normalization there's people pretending that this isn't going on while it's going on in front of everybody's faces and they they're actually doing the thing that's even a little bit worse they they they're cracking down you know they they they're being like well they're being like the stasi or something they they will accuse you of being a liar if you point out that Hunter Biden's laptop was full of child porn or anything like that well it's they've disgusting. gone even further than that by going after the Biden's opponent in the next presidential election, former President Trump being indicted and arrested as a political opponent oh, yeah. is, oh, yeah. is literally um, some of the worst banana Republic tactics that we've seen in third world countries right here in, on the shores of America. And no one is accountable for this rampant lawlessness of this administration. It's, rampant it's, lawlessness leads to more rampant lawlessness. That's, that's exactly right. And it is very reminiscent of the Soviet Union and every communist country. I mean, I've shared with you before that I was in the Soviet Union in the 1970s and I was behind the Iron Curtain of Eastern Europe we were there on educational missions with the approval of the U.S. State Department. But nevertheless, we were there. We experienced the intimidation and literally armed soldiers just pulling people off the street for no yeah, yeah, apparent yeah. reason. And mm -hmm. it was a very frightening experience. <laughs> As, as a young woman in my 20s, it was, it was pretty scary. And I, it, I have never forgotten it. And that's what we're seeing today. The yeah. January 6th prisoners that are still in prison, mm -hmm. violation Disgrace. of all of their constitutional rights, the weaponization of the IRS, the Department of Justice, 
the weaponization of all of our government agencies paying incentives to kill people in the hospitals, paying bounties to doctors to vaccinate their patients with these experimental COVID shots. I mean, across the board, Americans are experiencing a betrayal by every institution of our federal government. The Supreme Court just this, just this past week now has ruled that we have to start putting back race quotas in the congressional redistricting, <laughs> undoing all of the last 60 years of yeah. civil rights movement. That's and that's what Pottinger was doing as well. That's what Pottinger's department was meant to be doing. In actual fact, as soon as they started doing stuff, it, desegregation got worse, and that's how it goes. They they kind of want to create that. Yes. Well, the race relations in this country had been progressing quite well until Obama took office and started doing the race-baiting divisiveness tactics and the weaponization of race that has led to this horrific environment that we're in now. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of all of these uh, black lives matter movements and all of this. Sort well, of they, stuff. they are, they're it anarchists. Becomes extreme. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I used to be, I used to feel like that, but I, I never used to be that. I used to feel like, Oh God, I would get up. But the, I, I mean, when you actually go to a protest and it's about something mundane, like I went to a protest, it was about 15 minute cities. It's like a mundane protest. You're protesting against something that's mundane. It's a mundane subject, but you're doing it because it's your right to protest it's your right to try and push against it etc and it's people screaming like antifa guys screaming and people in the march i went to some people were told they weren't allowed to go on the march because antifa might attack them that's just it's like you have to go through the looking glass to protect the rights of someone else to potentially attack someone i don't even know where you've got a what type of loops you have to do to get there but we're in that society where human beings are on the edge of identified as cats <laughs> well it's it's like alice in wonderland everything's upside down inside out topsy turvy mm-hmm. and it's uh, people are living and it, it's as if life is a game, a virtual reality game that they're playing on their phone. This is Kissinger's world. This is the world that Henry Kissinger wanted to create. And this is the world that we have got from following Kissinger and from everybody just doing what they're told. This is it. This is what like game theory, uh, computer algorithms, deciding what you do ends up looking like. This is what Kissinger wanted. This is what Kissinger liked. So we're right back to where it all began with Heinz Kissinger, born in Bavaria, Germany, who came to the United States, became Henry Kissinger and and deceived the world about what his real agenda was. Mm-hmm. Oh, Bottom yeah, line. No. And he's still yeah. alive today. To what yeah. extent does he still uh, wield this kind of influence? Yeah, I, I think there's uh, it's he's much more like a a trophy for people these people who admire him 
to uh, get a picture with him nowadays. His time's well done. There's no way, unless, and this is this is probably why he's there, unless transhumanism progresses extremely quickly, um, he's not going to be able to store his consciousness in the cloud. And that's really what he's trying to get to. There's something about him that's really uh, strange, like it's not the the consequence of what he has now it's a consequence of his ideas in the past the things he did was so powerful and his tactics work so well that people in the future will look back on that and will use those tactics and adapt their tactics to be more Kissingerian. I don't know how you describe it, uh, Kissinger-like. And then eventually, you know, we will see repeats of his behavior. And his behavior is something that you can kind of quantify. You can kind of quantify. He's he's like, take away all the excitement of life. Take away all the happiness of life. Take away all of the joy. And that's what you get. You get Kissinger's world. It's a really sad world. It's one where everything has an order and within uh bohemian grove law he would be definitely the government establishment man uh next to the bohemian and the uh educated man you know he is definitely the government man and he is a man who his ideas will live on and that's a real big shame well i think you're exactly right but in some respects his ideas are the outgrowth of people like Stalin before him and mm-hmm. uh, and Goebbels in World War II, the master of propaganda. Yeah. So Kissinger is an amalgam of the diabolical Machiavellian evil ideas of his predecessors. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. And it, I mean, the, nothing propels further than than love and hate those two things seem to be uh, go most one goes go, one goes further than the other but one causes so much pain um so actually they both cause so much pain but no, no, nothing goes i mean there's there's cycles that repeat and henry kissinger is just part of a cycle that's been repeated before and before and before and i would say that if you look back in history you could choose random people throughout history and you could see elements of kissinger in them straight away i can think of them uh oliver cromwell idea of kissinger uh, within him napoleon bonaparte I see Kissinger within him. Uh, you could go through all of these different people and you will see Kissinger within them. There was uh, something about him, his stoicness, stoicism. That's, I think, one of the things is like he did, did emotionless, uh, just ideas, consequences don't matter. Um, our generation is... is uh, sacrificed for the future generations that we can't see yet that's the kissinger ideology it probably goes it's probably very similar to something like augustus caesar as well well and i'm sure if we really get back into the old testament of the bible we will see many like that as well Uh, but that's beyond the scope of today's show i want to thank you for being with us today as we come to the end of another fascinating discussion and we will have you back for our ongoing series looking at the tentacles behind the strangulation and takedown of America and freedom around the world. This is Dr. Lee for America, closing today's show with Johnny Vedmore, 
investigative reporter from the UK. We'll have him back and check out all of our archives on the whistleblowerreports.org and truthforhealth.org. Sign up for our email alerts. Donate to support our work to bring truth against the lies and deception and to defend human and civil rights secured by law. We are silent no more.